Welcome into Fort Island Territory. I am Kyle Madsen, the managing editor of NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. With me, as always, Doug Farrar, the managing editor of TouchdownWire.com. Week What's 13, up? nearly in the books, Doug. And we are Just back with another episode. Yeah, and uh, by the time people see this, the Jaguars of Jacksonville may have beaten the Bengals of Cincinnati, and if they do, they'll be the AFC's one seed. Go oh, wow. Look at here. the Jags. Look at the oh, Jags. The Jags, you know, sporty. Yeah, lo- love that for them. And um, it, it, I guess that, that's going to take us right to first down. Yep. If if the Jags are the one seed, uh, are they in the conversation for, for best team in football? Or, or what team holds that spot for you uh, going into Monday night of Week 13? Well, the Jags have a hugely underrated defense. Uh, the offense is fun. If they can get a running game together, they're in the discussion. Ravens are the best team in the AFC, I think. Uh, the best team in the NFL right now, uh, it's not recency bias either. <laughs> Although what they did to the Eagles, my gosh. The San Francisco 49ers, uh, your hometown team, especially if you take out that three-game stretch where an injured Trent Williams and Debo Samuel or without Trent Williams and Debo Samuel entirely where they lost all three of those games. Those are the other games they've lost this season. And against the Eagles, Kyle, as you know, they had minus six total yards in the first quarter against the Eagles on Sunday, minus 1.0 yards per play with two three and outs. Then they opened all the cans of whoop-ass at the same time against the NFL's best team by record right. and scored touchdowns on their next six drives. The defense, especially the secondary, Charverius Ward, hello, deserves more attention, and the offense is downright terrifying. I especially really enjoyed and appreciated the adjustments that Kyle Shanahan made against the Eagles at the start of the second quarter. Kyle Shanahan likes his passing game to work vertically inside the numbers and, you know, they'll take the run game to the perimeter. And the Eagles were all about it. They just defended that passing game right up the spine. It took Shanahan two drives to figure it out. All of a sudden, the 49ers were spamming Sean Desai's defense outside the numbers and on the perimeter. Rock Purdy, one of the NFL's best quarterbacks when it comes to throwing deep balls over the middle, didn't have a single throw over 20 air yards in the game. His longest was 16. But, again, the next six drives and in touchdowns. Niners understood the Eagles are light linebacker. They just signed Darius Leonard, which or Shaq Leonard, excuse me, which may help, and safety from a talent perspective. They forced those guys to cover the whole field. Not good for them. Debo Samuel had four catches on four targets for 116 yards and two touchdowns with 115 yards after the catch. It's ridiculous. One air yard on his four catches, and he had 116 yards. This this was one of Kyle Shanahan's best games as a as an in game coordinator, and we all know that he's the best at it anyway. This was this was like wow, like okay, <laughs> and they did what they do when they have to. They got the ball to Debo with either short passes or handoffs, they let him run through everything as he does. They banked on the run game and that worked. So more than anything else, it's the ability to adjust in game with all your schemes, all your weapons, makes them the NFL's best and most dangerous team. If the Niners and Eagles meet again in the playoffs, very possibly in an AFC championship game rematch, you get the feeling that whatever the Eagles do to counter this offense, the answers will be wrong. They'll be right, right. for a while, and then they'll be wrong. And when they're right, you better outscore them because then it's just all hell's going to break loose. Now, in the rematch with the Seahawks on Sunday, the Niners went a little bit pretty eight on throws outside the hashes against that defense. They'll know exactly why it worked. Mm-hmm. Seattle will try some counters, and Kyle will go, <laughs> that's cute. Let's blow them up again. I mean, they're just the best team in football. They're just the... And it's not because they kick the Eagles' butts, although that helps. It's mm-hmm. you look at outside of the, you know, you lose Debo, you lose Williams, best left tackle in football, and, you know, Debo's one of one. Right. Outside of that, they've just been crunching everybody. So yeah, they're the best team. I don't think there's too much of a question about it. Yeah, they're it, when they're healthy, 
And it's particularly the the big key adding Chase Young defensively was 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 nice. Yep. But Ambry Thomas entering mm-hmm. the starting lineup, moving Diamador Lenore into the slot, and then you mentioned Chevarius Ward. Yep. That group playing as well as it has has been the big turning point. Like offensively, was they were I, was I Isaiah Oliver the slot guy before then? Yeah, so and he yeah, so he's now lost. on the bench. Yeah, yeah. yeah Lenoir came inside and that yeah, he was a slot guy. Yeah, and that and that and that's really just kind of changed the entire complexion of their defense because now their pass rush is getting home, and you saw what they did on Sunday against the Eagles. Like Jalen Hurts held the ball a lot, mm-hmm. and I think that was due in part to to what the Niners secondary was doing. So yeah, it, it's it's hard not to say the 49ers at this point, and it goes beyond like you said, week thirteen. There's just not a ton of a ton of flaws in this team. If their secondary is going to be as good as it has been, I think their offensive line might be a little shaky, but we've seen time in and time out. We've seen Kyle Shanahan coach around that. So mm-hmm. I think right now it's the Niners, but in the interest of making this a discussion, Philadelphia is still very much right there for me. I yep. was not <clears throat> super impressed by by Jalen Hurts on, on Sunday, but I, I still there's not that many quarterbacks I'm I'm taking over him with two minutes left in the game on the line, uh, and then Baltimore's right there too. Yep, they are. Um, it, it, with the Eagles specifically. It's really clear their passing game is definitely a little bit flawed. I don't know if that's Hurts or if it's uh, what Ben Johnson is doing with with their passing game. Uh, but Nick Bosa said after the game that Hurts drops his eyes to look at the rush a lot and yes. then has trouble finding his receivers once he gets his eyes back up. And that's definitely notable because that's not something I think is just going to change overnight. Like, that's not that's a not problem a- since he was in college and he's overcome it to a point. But yeah, it's you know the, the pod I do with Greg Cosell and he's a he's you know, South Jersey. So he does Eagle stuff every week. He's, you know, we've discussed that. It's a thing. Yeah. And it definitely, that makes the Eagles offense a little bit less scary. They had 46 rush, uh, 46 rushing yards on 18 carries. I thought they were going to be able to run the ball on the Niners and they couldn't. However, come playoff time, the trenches matter a lot. And there's yep. a chance that Philadelphia is just the best team there when the games really count, when the weather gets cold, when the games get shorter and you're running the ball more and we're sitting here and they're hoisting a Lombardi trophy and we're going, well, of course they did. Look how good they are. So I think mm-hmm. Philly's definitely still there. And then Baltimore's terrifying for for a couple of the same reasons. Like Lamar Jackson's just individual brilliance and a defense equipped to bang with any offense in the league is is going to be helpful come come playoff time. That defense is fast, physical. They're really well coached. And honestly, for me, the scariest version of the Ravens might be one that reverts a little bit more to a run first offense and yeah. then and then uses that to to open up the passing game come playoff time. We know Lamar can can drop back and throw it if he needs to, but I, I think the scariest version of the Ravens is one that's ground based where Lamar is 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 uh, affecting games with his legs. You talk sure. about that with the Ravens defense. Uh, I think they belong in that conversation as well. I think their defense is terrifying because you cannot get a beat on them. You never know what they're going to do. Right. They could be, they could drop, you know, they could have three at the line pre-snap and rush eight. Mm-hmm. They could do the exact opposite the next play. They're so Mike McDonald is going to be a head coach next year because yeah. of this. And you know, the year he was at Michigan, their defense was so great. He just he has it on lock. And the Eagles, again, this isn't because of what happened on Sunday. Their defense is it's been out of, outside of the front and Darius Slay, it's been kind of spit and bailing wire all season. And, mm-hmm. you know, eventually in games like this, that tends to show up. And so, you know, again, playoff situation, we'll see. Yeah. Um, let's jump to the opposite end of the spectrum, the negative end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Who's the worst team in the NFL for you? I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, it's, it's the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> 
go figure. They have wow. now a winning percentage of 167, 2 and 10, which is the lowest winning percentage any coach has had in the Super Bowl era with the team he previously won a Super Bowl wow. with. The previous low belonged to Tom Landry in 1988, 188, and Landry was famously fired after that season by the new team owner, Jerry Jones, in favor of that guy, Jimmy Johnson. I will give Bill Belichick credit for his defense. They've allowed a league low of 46 points in their last four games, and they're 0-4. Per ESPN stats and info, they're the first pro football team since the 1938 Chicago Cardinals, Kyle, to allow 10 or fewer points in three straight games and lose all three. We have to go back nearly 90 years to catch that level of futility. Wow. Good. So maybe it's the worst offense in the NFL. Maybe it's one of the worst offenses ever. And the thing is, it's been coming. That's been like for half a decade now. Mm-hmm. In 2019, Tom Brady's final season there, he was saying halfway through the year, you remember this, I'm sure. He was the most frustrated quarterback in football. What he didn't say is, I have no receivers who can separate. Right. Brady goes to Tampa. We all saw what happened there. Belichick threw through Cam Newton and then Mac Jones. And now Mac Jones is just like a – you know, puddle of something on the floor and whatever it is they're doing now, Belichick played with his food, putting Matt Patricia and Joe judge in charge of the offense last season. And now it's Bill O'Brien recycle. Going back to that Landry story, the 85 bears killed them 44 to nothing that season. And it got to the point where Mike Ditka was actually distressed about it because Landry extended his playing career, got him a Super Bowl ring and started him on the coaching path. He was an assistant, like a special teams assistant for 10 years before he got the Bears job. So that's what the Patriots are now. You feel sorry for them, except that because of the Patriots, nobody feels sorry for them. Yeah, you definitely feel kind of bad, like, oh, this is a giant who just, uh, you know, figuratively and literally, for, for Bill Belichick, he was he was with the Giants. But this is a coaching giant, like maybe in the Washington spot of the all-time NFL coach, Mount Rushmore. He's the best NFL coach in history. I mean, and like, and. And seeing him struggle and not really have answers is is kind of tough. But on the other hand, uh, he has a, a bunch of Super Bowl rings to his name, and he's going to go to the Hall of Fame whenever he decides to, to hang up his hoodie. So right. it's tough to feel bad. I'm going to rock with the Panthers here. Yeah. At least Belichick still like he's still got it on the defensive side, like you Very just much. said. Uh, they're, that group's playing really good football the last few weeks. Carolina, on the other hand, they've already it's already fired its head coach. And I, I'm looking at their schedule. I do I mean, anything can happen, right? But it looks like a one in sixteen finishes on the horizon. Uh, they are, the, by the way, they were eliminated from the playoffs on Sunday. They're already out of that. Already done. Yep. It looks like a one in sixteen finishes on is on the horizon in the NFL's worst division. On Sunday, they gave up 128 rushing yards to a Buccaneers team that hadn't surpassed 125 rushing yards all season. They also gave up two rushing touchdowns to Tampa Bay after they'd posted only four in the previous twelve weeks. Uh, we're seeing uh, like growth from some of the young first-time starting quarterbacks as the season goes on, particularly Jordan Love. Shout-out to him. Really good game in uh, against the Chiefs. Uh, we're not seeing that from Bryce Young. And it's not all his fault, but it's a major flaw with Carolina's roster. And if their defense is going to struggle to stop a bad Bucks run game and their offense is going to continue to look abysmal, it's just hard to make an argument for me that they're, there's a, 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 they're better than even you know, the Patriots as bad as they're playing right now. So I, I'm going to stick with Carolina from here. Yeah. The, the problem, Bryce Young has nothing. His receivers are horrible. His it's offense so line is Such horrible. a bad team. It, it, this offense, I said, I think it was last week, that the, uh, the ideal offense for him would be what the Eagles are doing, which is just, you know, RPO and then a couple of seven-step drops for explosive plays. But you need an offensive line for that. And the other problem Bryce Young has is he will always be compared to C.J. Stroud. And I think about the 2012 NFL draft where you had Andrew Luck, you had Robert Griffin, you had Russell Wilson, 
-hmm. You had Kirk Cousins. You don't want to be the Brandon Whedon or the Brock Osweiler. And I'm not saying he's that, but it's, you know, the things I, the things I had questions about with him pre-draft are, I I mean, I certainly did not think he would be this bad, but it's, it's like 20% his fault, but yeah, it's, it's dismal down there. And I, you know, they gave up all those picks for him. I, this is a multi-year and they got to, you know, they're going to hire a new head coach. Maybe they need to, you know, shore up the personnel side, but this is not going away overnight. This isn't the 2012 Colts where you get Andrew Luck and it's all okay. That, that's right. not what this is. That's and that's that's kind of my my whole thing with Bryce Young is I'm not putting it on on the player here. I don't I don't think that he got to the NFL and can't play quarterback anymore. But you look at what they have, and then you project out over the next two or three years. It's like a are you trusting David Tepper to hire the right guy, no. and b that cabinet is is very very bare. Who wants and, that gig? Yeah, right. Especially when there's going to be half a dozen or more other coaching gigs. So I, I'm, I, I feel for Bryce Young because the development that he needs to undergo is not currently happening. And it's really hard to foresee it happening in this situation in Carolina over the next three or four years. I don't want to see him wind up like Mac Jones where he's just broken or Zach Wilson where he right. actually doesn't want to play for the team that drafted him second Dude. overall. Um, but it's, you know, I... Because, I mean, if you put C.J. Stroud with the Panthers and Bryce, I'm, with, I'm not saying that Young would perform at Stroud's level, but I'm, I am saying that Stroud would look about like Young right now. It would yeah. just be like, wow, this guy was, you know, taking second overall. He's a mess. Well, he's a mess because it's a mess. Right. Team's that, a team mess. Is, that team is not, not well constructed. All capital right. B, capital A, capital D. Speaking of bad teams, uh, um, let's get to third down here. Who is the next coach fired the washington commanders fired defensive coordinator jack del rio next week after a debacle of a thanksgiving loss to the dallas cowboys in which head coach ron rivers team allowed 376 total yards and five touchdowns in a 45 to 10 disaster on sunday against the miami dolphins and with rivera taking control of the defense the commanders allowed 405 total yards and five touchdowns in a 45 to 15 disaster they actually got worse after they fired jack del rio had something to do with playing Tyree Kill in man with single coverage. <laughs> Did they try? Did they, they, they went out of their way to do it. It's unbelievable. They went it's out like, of their way to do they it. They showed up and went, oh, shoot, yeah, Tyree Kill, uh, just man, just do that, I guess. If you're eight years old and you're playing Madden, you know better than that. So, oh, it, there's more stuff. Down 24 at the half, right. Rivera told the sideline reporter that his team needed to run the ball more. Down 38 to 15 with 14 20 left in the game, and the ball at the Miami 35 yard line. Rivera elected to try a field goal, which kicker Joey Sly missed. Sam Howell threw his third pick six in as many weeks. He's now one off Matt Schaub's NFL record that I never thought would be broken. The players are unhappy. A lot of them seem to have given up. They know there's no future as things stand now. Rivera could say nothing after the game outside of platitudes about how everyone needs to do better, and how he's frustrated that his team isn't on the same level as the Dolphins and the Cowboys. Well, duh. It's to the point now where you're da- you're damaging your team by keeping things as they are. I know for future coaches, you want to appear patient. You don't want to fire a guy in season because it looks like it's a disaster. Well, it is. The commanders are playing for nothing right now. We could be seeing a negative return sooner than later. It's time to see if offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, as we've said before, can be any kind of head coach. Let's just let's answer it yes or no for once and for all. 
and just try to keep things from sliding off the cliff. But there, there's no future here. You got to do this now. They have a buy coming up, by the way. So, you know, I, I'm not like, oh, yay, Ron. I'm, I'm not saying, yay, anyone gets fired, but for sure. God's sake. Sure. It, it's just, it, like you said, the commanders are a mess. And maybe Josh Harris, the new owner, wants to just let this thing play out and he'll he'll take care of it all this offseason and try and fix it from there. But it wouldn't shock me at the same time if Rivera's gone by the time this publishes. So yeah. Washington's a rudderless ship, and the very obvious answer is right there in the building. You mentioned it. Biennemi would be an excellent offseason hire for a new ownership group looking to make a splash. And instead of waiting, they can just hire him now with a few weeks to go and just kind of get that ball rolling and establishing him as a leader. Um, he can select his own quarterback in the offseason if he doesn't want to move forward with Sam Howell, which wouldn't shock me at all. Is it just a layup that that Josh Harris, to me, the new owner, can't afford to smoke? Rivera ushered the team effectively through the end of the Dan Snyder era. That's great, but it's time to move on. And frankly, it's been time to move on since they punted their season at the trade deadline and got rid of Montez Sweat and Chase Young and yep. wiped their hands of the of the 2023 season. Rivera's not going to be the guy in 2024. Just let him go, man. It, yep. it, show your players that you're invested in trying to get better instead of having them go out there and risk their bodies every week for a, for a coach that they nor ownership believes in. I think that's the um, tipping point right now. If you want other players to come in, if you want your uh, yep. upcoming free agents to, to sign, if you want this to be attractive at all, you have to, you have to show some intent here. Yeah. Also just what I know they won this week. The Chargers, they beat the Patriots six to nothing. They covered. Good teams win, great teams cover. Brandon Staley's gotta go, dude. I know they're not I know they're not gonna let him go after after a win and they're still, I guess, theoretically in the playoff hunt, but they're not gonna roll with him into into twenty twenty four. I I mean they shouldn't. Dean Spanos, you know, the Chargers owner, who knows? But roll it up in the air and see where it lands. Yeah. Right. They they need to cut bait now and start evaluating what their future is gonna look like before they spend the early portion of Justin Herbert's prime just wallowing in the mediocrity wrought by whatever the heck Staley's doing uh, with as a leader of an NFL team with a good roster. Uh, but uh, just that, like I said, that might be an offseason thing, but mm -hmm. yikes. big yikes. Uh, last one here. <laughs> I'm seeing you, big yikes. Here we go. Party on. Oh, it's don't say yikes because Jamal Adams will come after your wife or your girlfriend or whatever. Dude, that was nuts. That was almost my worst of the week because just... that's just bananas and yeah. anyways fourth anyways. down here what's your worst yeah. of the week doug let's talk <laughs> officiating <laughs> we we made it a whole week <laughs> we made it a whole week without what, talking about officiating we... on the show and then cleat cleat blakeman called like four thousand penalties in cowboy seahawks and half of them were wrong uh he forgot to spot the ball on a field goal and uh, Ron Torbert completely lost control of Falcons Jets, which maybe he was bored. I understand that. But Brad Allen, <sighs> because I, I Chris Corder, our producer, maybe he could just run a, a Chiron of redacted profanity. This is how I feel about officiating at this point. <sighs> the referee in Sunday Night Football's matchup between the Packers and Chiefs seemed to want to double down on Cleet Blakeman with horrible call after horrible call after horrible call. The one we're all talking about, of course, is the no-call P.I. on Packers cornerback Carrington Valentine, who was draped all over Chiefs receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling on a deep throw with 50 seconds left in the game. That should have given the ball to the Chiefs inside the Green Bay 10, and as the final score was 27-19, to that was kind of important. Yep. Then there was a double-hand push in Travis Kelsey's back by Packers safety Jonathan Owens. That was sort of like, uh, so actually, I just thought of this. This is Taylor Swift's... Uh, significant other against Simone Biles' husband. Anyway, on the oh, last play, of the game, double push, boom. 
Uh, I get that it was Hail Mary rules. A lot of contact isn't called in those situations, but this was blatant. Really bad. Then there was the unnecessary this call on Owens with 105 left in the game where he hit Patrick Mahomes, not hard, when Mahomes was still and obviously in bounds. That gave the Chiefs 15 free yards and set up the interference no call two plays later after a fumble, which the officials actually got right. It was a, you know, it, so mm. then there was the clock stoppage on a Mahomes pass to Valdez Scantling with 24 seconds left in the game. Because Valdez Scantling moved backward to go out of bounds and his forward progress had been stopped, the clock should have run, but it didn't. That was crazy. That was that was that might have been the worst was, one of all of them. Was, how do you screw that up? That was insane. <laughs> how do you screw that up? You're a referee. You're an official. You're a back judge. You're a side judge. You're whatever. They're standing right like in that one. It's not bang bang. They are right there. They oh, see him right go there. backwards right across there. their face and then out of bounds. They're looking at him. What's happening? After the game, Allen did a pool report with one reporter, Calvin Watkins of the Dallas Morning News. Hi, Calvin. And all he could do was parrot what the calling official told him about the no call. Well, why isn't the calling official being interviewed? Why isn't there any transparency and accountability here? Why isn't that calling official? <laughs> Officials aren't deep throat, Kyle. They're not spilling state secrets. No. This doesn't have to be done in a parking garage. No. Perhaps if officials knew that they'd have to deal with the ramifications of their work in a public sense, they would keep their little eyes a little more on the little ball. I've given up in the NFL holding them accountable. That's done. Walt Anderson, the VP of officiating, he's not going to do it. This guy used to run the Big 12, okay? That's all you need mm -hmm. to know. This is going to have to happen in the court of public opinion or not at all. By the way, Allen's performance put him above Cleet Blakeman and Ron Torbert. It's hard to keep track of the next level incompetence at this point. And I really, you know, what I want to do is I want to watch tape. I want to crunch stats. I want to be a dork. I don't want to write four articles a week about officiating. And, okay, done. I'm done. Done. For now. Until God knows what happens on Monday Night Football. I'm really glad that we got a Mark Felt reference in this, in this episode. I've been waiting for it. I've been yes. like... How can we work Watergate into this? And you just, that was masterful by you. I'm really, really thrilled you did that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to watch that movie again for like the five millionth time. Uh, all the presidents, man. It's so good. Um, my if you're a journalist, my God. It's, it's, it's A plus stuff. Or if you're a fan of Dustin Hoffman, one or the other. <laughs> no, but hey, one time for the Titan special teams making worst uh -oh. of the week. <laughs> so I have this, a beef what happened here, but go ahead. This this stretch of football is peak AFC South. So they allowed not one, but two punts to be blocked on consecutive possessions. All right. So the first one was blocked by Nick Cross and recovered by Grant Stewart, who returned at 18 yards for a touchdown. And an, an, an incredible side note here that perfectly encapsulates the NFC South rock fight here. Uh, the ensuing two point try by the Colts after the blocked punt for a touchdown was intercepted by Titan safety, Amani hooker and returned for two points the other way. Uh, By the way, if a big, like if a guy over 300 pounds does that, is it a pick two or a thick two? A thick two. Yeah, a for sure. Two? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A thick yeah. two. Um, then Sorry. the Colts on the ensuing Titans possession forced punt. The Titans did the Bill Belichick thing yep. where you bring a safety off the edge late and that safety was Tony Brown and he got in. I've never seen this, Doug. He got in so quickly that it wasn't a blocked punt. It was a forced fumble. Yeah. Because he knocked the ball away from Ryan Stonehouse, the punter, before the ball got to his foot. 
He knocked it away um, and forced a fumble. Uh, Stonehouse unfortunately got hurt on the play. His 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 plant leg, his left leg, got got twisted up really bad. It was not a good looking injury. I think uh, he he's went, out for the season, which sucks. He's like the best punter in the NFL. Yeah, he's unbelievable. So so definitely, you know, uh, hard squad to him. Injuries are are the worst. Um, and it actually ended up affecting the Titans on in this game. More on that later. Yeah. Um, the Colts went on to kick a field goal. So uh, the Titans are now down 25 to 19. That's the score. The Titans overcome the two failed punts to tie the game on a touchdown pass from Will Levis to DeAndre Hopkins with 529 to go. An extra point would have given them a 26-25 lead. Alas, with Stonehouse out and backup holder Ryan Tannehill in the game, kicker Nick Folk yanks the extra point wide left. Tennessee would go on to lose in overtime. It's not typical that one bad performance should have a coach on the hot seat, uh, but the Titans felt the need to uh, let go of special teams coordinator Craig Alkerman um, after after his special teams uh, ostensibly lost them uh, a key divisional game. A couple notes on this. Yeah. Titans special teams DVOA in this game was minus 41.3, which is historically bad. Yeah. But for the season before this game, they were ninth in special teams. The special teams is actually the best part of their team because <laughs> their offense is weird. You never know what Will Levis is going to do. And their defense is goodness knows what. Um, so yeah, they were ninth in special teams DVOA. Nick Falk had to make two punts, and he did well yeah. on those punts. I mean, so obviously it's it's been prepped. Stonehouse is the best punter in the NFL. Coach had something to do with that. I think Coach Rabel, Coach Mike Rabel, I think you went a little too far in making this guy a scapegoat. I'm just saying. Yeah. Speaking of coaches who might be on the hot seat, I think Mike Rabel is probably right there as well. It's a tough way to, well, to that, lose a game, that, though, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a discussion. And by the way, Will Levis, I mean, that's like the king of variants. <laughs> he is a roller coaster. DeAndre Hopkins on the sideline. I'm catching, you know, I'm recovering a fumble on my own interception. I'm <laughs> diving into three defenders and trying to kill everybody. That dude is nuts. He is a fun watch. Fun to watch. But sure. I like his first NFL start. He threw four touchdowns against the Falcons. In his next two starts, he threw no touchdowns and two interceptions. That that's Will Levis. You Yikes. never know what you're. He is Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. He is the next Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, young Brett Favre. Like, who knows? Can't wait Spin to keep watching. Wheel, baby. Spin the wheel. All right. That's it for us on Four Down Territory. We're going to punt here. Hopefully, it doesn't get blocked. Thanks, Doug. Hopefully, we'll get, hopefully we'll be out for the rest of the season. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. See you, everybody.